PHLY Eagles podcast on a Wednesday morning. Bo Wolf, Zach Berman. In the middle of the bye week, we are ready for some mid-season superlatives. Zach, you're uh, you're looking fresh, ready to go. You're jet setting out of here. You must be feeling pretty good. Well, I'm excited for the show. I was looking forward to the show, uh, going through the superlatives. Late night working last Most night. Most of all, congratulations, you got that baby out. I sent a manuscript. I sent a book manuscript in uh, at about. What was it? 1 a.m. Thereabouts. Wow. So did Emily give you a push present? A push present. Okay. <laughs> like because of my baby's. Yeah. Uh, no, but I I can reintroduce myself to her now after uh, six months writing a book. That's what this weekend is for. And yeah, during the bye week. That's what the bye week is for. Does, where, like, are you, are you feeling like a load is off? Big time. Big time, yes. Um, it's it's like one of those things. I, I think I've said this uh, in the past. I'm going to say it yesterday. But, you know, think of these great art. And you've written some great articles over, over the years. And you say that the article, like, stays with you until you send it in. Mm-hmm. Like, you're living. When you're writing a book, there's there's no end, right, until the end. So, yeah, I do not envy you in yeah, this process. So, not at all. So it's so each 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 night after, after I was finished my my work at PHLY or my previous employer, like I would go and I would, I would write a thousand words, 1500 words, do this, transcribe. And so now uh, it is a weight off my shoulders and thrilled for, to do this show today. And when can the devoted listeners and viewers, when will they get to hear a little bit more information about what it is you've been working on? Well, that's up to the publisher when the publisher announces it, but the book will come out next fall. So okay. during football season next fall. All right. So the Jay Liggins biography <laughs> is coming your way <laughs> Great next call fall. Yeah. We look forward to reading all about that. Uh, Zach, before we get into the superlatives, you you know you you sent a text beforehand. Like, should we talk about Carson Wentz? Do you do you have any takes on the Rams signing Carson Wentz that you need to get off your chest? Not necessarily that I need to get off my chest. I I do find it. I don't know if interesting, ironic, however you would phrase it. And, and, and we've discussed this in, in the past when the Rams had the number one pick and the Eagles had the number two pick. Do you remember this big narrative? Like, yeah, this is like Howie's big thing. Yeah. Is that Jared like, Goff fits. And, and you wrote about this in, yeah. in the trade. You know, Jared Goff fits Los Angeles and Carson Wentz fits Philadelphia. And Jared got like. Like Carson wouldn't fit in Los Angeles. Well, and even more than that, when Carson goes to Indianapolis, his whole big thing is this place fits our family values. Yes. Yeah. So, now he's in LA. But the funny thing is, is like now Jared Goff is in Detroit, which is this right. like Rust Belt city, right. you know, and he's he's doing awesome. Man. Right. And Carson Wentz is now in Southern California, <laughs> backing up Matthew Stafford. Um, so ultimately, it's about how you play football more than the fit of the city, if you will. But uh, that I mean, there, there there's probably some PTSD going back to LA. Like that's the, his career changed mm. in Los Angeles. He was different stadium though. Different stadium, true. Different stadium, different part of town. But good for Carson, right? Like he's 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 back in and he's working with Sean McVay. Uh, it does feel like if I mean you know he's he's we're talking about a guy who was signed off the street in November, so the expectation should be pretty low. But it does feel like. Like if Sean McVay can't make it work with him yeah. at this point, this is this is last chance saloon. Sure, but it's you know look when you're out of it, I imagine it's humbling. And this is a guy who's been the face of a franchise, who's been on three teams in three in the past three years, and he's he's trying to keep it going. And I I respect that. Let me ask you this: mm-hmm. S- separate from you know throwing dirt on Carson's grave at this point, how much did the the Carson Wentz experience? color the way that you sort of view Jalen Hurts now? I mean, through, like, you know, there was the, the 2017 season of Carson Wentz was very similar to the Jalen Hurts season of last year. Good, they good signed question. him to the, the, the big contract. Like, these are different players, different personalities, but in terms of your view of, like, 
uh, projecting things outward yeah. and what you think of the guy now? How did, how did that color this? Yeah, so that's a good question. The, the Carson Wentz experience, one of the things it, it taught me is like, we, we can't say the next 10 years. You just, you never know. You know, there's this, there's this thought, oh, you're set at the position for the next 10 years, right? And you, you hear that a lot. If football is such a fickle game. And injuries and performance, there's it like it humbles you quickly. Things change quickly, so that's that's one part of it. The other part of it is that I would say you don't know about somebody until they go through. I mean, I'm careful with the term adversity, but like the personality, like you you get tested in those situations. And I think with Jalen Hurts, by the way, you saw that a, a little more uh, when he was. When he was at Alabama, obviously getting benched, going to Oklahoma, he's had he's been in more of those uncomfortable situations. Uh, but I always think that that don't judge someone as you know. Don't I guess we can say people in general, but don't judge a football player by when things are good. You learn more about them when things are bad or when things are tough, when they're tested. And uh, I, I I think that that was one of the lessons from the Carson Wentz experience. So if you're framing it that way, you're saying that it wasn't like a physical thing, that it was Carson was going through adversity and he just lost it mentally. That's your view on things? No, it was a physical thing. That's when I was saying the next eight to 10 years, you just can't project that out. What I was saying is the personality part of it. When you think you have someone's personality pegged, I think you learn more about someone's personality when things are tough. And some of the stuff that but what was, about what about daily performance? What about your whole thing about uh, who you are? Some of the times yeah. who you are all the time. Yeah, you're right. But well, these things seem to be at odds with each other a little bit. No, not at all, because you see who they are during those bad times. Yeah, I, I think the I think there was a lot that and. But if you're overweighting who you are in bad times, then that doesn't mean that you're taking into account who you are all of the time. No, you're learning who they are during bad times. The the way they react during those bad times is 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 revealing. Like it's not you it's not just he's going through this. It's learning about who he is during that time. I don't think I agree with that. Okay. Well, we can, we can I think that's part that of the Jalen Hurts myth-making and it's like the it's like the the uh, after the fact explanation for why they loved him so much is because they saw what he went through at Alabama. You don't buy that. Not entirely. Okay. I don't think that's why he is who he is. And I also don't think that you can take Jalen Hurts and think that what works for him applies to everybody else. Sure. I agree um, with that. I think that he is very much like sui generis in, in the, the way. Term. Well, you know, you're coming to task on hugest, which is very obviously a word. I, we, I can use other words, too. Um, I just I don't I don't think that if there's a lesson, it's that everybody's different and you can't just say that what works for this guy is going to work for this guy. I would agree with that. Um, also, in, in, in the news, it came out that <laughs> I like this. This is like this is like your uh, your Jay Leno at the top of the show. This is your monologue. Oh, really? Also in the news today. Oh, you see this? Oh, you see this? You strike me as a Jay Leno guy. That is the most offensive thing that you could ever say to me. <laughs> That's the most you offensive thing. I strike you as a Jay Leno guy? Sure. How dare you? How t- <laughs> I didn't know I was going to offend you that much. That's a terrible thing to say to somebody. Why? Hey, I, I thought it's like your sense of humor, the Jay Leno humor. What about me and my <laughs> sense of humor makes you think that I would be in line with Jay Leno? Um... I, th- I think you and Jay Leno are, are comparable in, in, in certain ways. I'm, I am baffled <laughs> right now. I am like, I am blown away. You think you know somebody. Who do you think you're, you're most like? In terms I of, mean, to think that, your, to think that between Letterman and Leno that I would be a Leno guy? Oh, are you I, out oh, of your no, mind? You're, you're, more of a, you're more of a Letterman guy. I, I would agree with that. Of course. Yeah, you're, you're, you're not like a... You're, you're, you're not a This Fallon. is the whole thing. You are the Leno guy here. You are the one I'm who wants. Yeah, you're the Leno guy. You're the one who wants to appeal to everybody. That's the whole thing. Oh, Leno okay. is, is, the, is the, the lowest common denominator. Let me be as safe as possible and say the, the joke to everybody that everybody. Whereas I'm trying to be a little bit more esoteric. I think you know okay. that. Wow. Okay. This is the whole thing. So, so, so you I mean, took this, this is as the entire chance. dynamic of the show. You took this as a chance to poke. Okay. It's not um, a chance to poke. That's what you say. You I'm taking up, you at your word. You, you, okay. So let me get back to what I'll say. I'm there. the Leno guy. 
Uh, the also in the news, Jason Kelsey comes out. <laughs> also in the news, Jason Kelsey was uh, among is among People Magazine's sexiest people alive. You've seen this? You heard about this? Have I heard about this? I I, I saw it on. Uh, yeah, I understand. I, I saw it on social. Um, any thoughts? Uh. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that he's the sexiest guy in the locker room, but I, I understand okay. the. Uh, I think you could say that Jason Kelsey is a, a good-looking man. He's got a good vibe about him. Yeah, no okay. doubt. All right, there you go. You don't have any thought. You're the one who brought it up. You, you, it feels like you have something to say. You know, I, I feel like you're in touch with the pop culture zeitgeist, uh, so I, I, I thought I would. I thought I would bring it up. Do you? Do you pay attention? He's no D'Amico Ryan's. Do you pay attention yeah. each year to the list? No. That people, okay. <laughs> do you? I don't, but I actually have a, a story about this. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I went to the same high school as as Bradley Cooper. And oh yeah, I think I know. This is a good story. Yeah, and I had this. I, I spoke at the high school within like a time frame that Bradley Cooper was 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 named, and I I mentioned it like I I thought I had a funny it's, joke. Can I let me just say? Let me just say, as you set this up, <laughs> that this is the perfect example of you being a Leno guy. <laughs> Me being a Leno guy, okay. Yes. Uh, well, this no, is real- you trying to land a Leno joke. Go ahead. Okay. So I I made a, a reference to like within the span of X amount of months, um, you heard from the sexiest man in the world and Bradley Cooper, okay? <laughs> and the joke fell flat. Fell flat. Yeah. So... But also, it's funny because you're talking to high schoolers and you're yeah. trying to tell the high schoolers that you are sexy. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably didn't think it through. I thought it was yeah. like a... This I, goes back to the student union and the, yeah. the creeping on the high schoolers over here I thing. don't know yeah. where you are going with that. It's a weird comment that I am staying a thousand feet you, I mean, you, you, you um, walked into the uh, high school auditorium and into that joke on no, your own. It was, it, was, it was just like a funny... Uh, play on a pop culture thing, something of that nature. It's they a, must not have been fans of comedy. <laughs> yeah, but no. I, 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 real quick on Jay Leno before we move on. What I do respect is 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 the guy. Hey, the guy hustles, man. He's doing shows in Gary, Indiana, and uh, Erie, Pennsylvania, and you go on down the list, right? Like he's he, he's he's not sitting there just content. He's he's working, and I respect workers. Okay. Okay. I don't need to go back and forth with you anymore on Leno. I agree. I did not think the Jay Leno thing was, was coming up. All right. Uh, before we get to the superlatives, let's talk about game time because buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy. If you are in Gary, Indiana, you might want to check that out. <laughs> and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can't stop stressing over the tickets. And start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Flash deals and last-minute tickets. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Images of seat views, lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and more. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem with code PHLY for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Zach, should we start with, like, the bigger superlatives, the little ones, and build to the big ones? What do you think? I'm deferring to you. You know how to – I mean, I I, I didn't think we were going to start the show with – the discussion that it did. So, yeah, whatever you think makes for the best uh, PHL. Let's, start, let's start micro. Okay. Micro? Let's start with micro. <laughs> okay. Let me, sit, let me give you best offensive play of the first nine games of the season, the first uh, just plus half at the bye week. The best offensive play of the season. What comes to mind for you? The best offensive play I have is the A.J. Brown one-handed catch, front corner of the end zone versus Washington, End of the first half, Benjamin St. Just and Benjamin St. Just, the, the Montreal's finest. Uh, <laughs> awesome play by AJ Brown. He did you know, and you did because we talked about this on the show on the post game show. He made that same exact catch in in the Friday practice. Uh, same play, same coverage, same throw, same spot in the end zone. 
A.J. Brown, we, we see him during training camp make these one-handed grabs. A matter of fact, I did a Twitter search, A.J. Brown one-handed catch, and I saw some stuff from training camp sessions, too, with it. So uh, this is part of what makes A.J. so special is the strong hands, and that was the best offensive play in this, of the first nine games of the season from where I sit. I'd love to... Uh... Debate with you. I'm sure you would. On this one, uh, I'd love to give you some different choices. I agree. I think that's the best offensive play of, of the first half of the season. I mean, there are some Jalen Hurts plays um, that I think you could make a case for, some really nice throws, even the one to Devontae Smith in the last game. That was, that was beautiful. Yep. But uh, in this in this half of the season, that has been A.J. Brown dominant. That is the most dominant play. I think I think that's a good, a good choice. We are in agreement there. It's a first for everything. Well, I think we've been in agreement <laughs> on other things before. Uh, how about the best transaction, Zach? Do you want to go first? or do you, Sure, uh, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, to me, the best transaction the Eagles have made, upgrading from Aaron Sipos to Braden Mann. Okay. Now, I'm, I am defining this as like post-training camp, right? We're not including gotcha. off-season okay. uh, signings. We're, did you have that? Yeah, I didn't. I, I actually didn't know where we, we were going to okay. go with that. So, yeah. So, I, I, I did have... Uh, the off-season one, but then I have an in-season one as, as well. Okay, I would, yeah, I mean, I, I, there haven't been that many in-season, yeah. I would mm -hmm. say. I, and I think uh, we haven't spent enough time, which is to say any time at all, talking about how Braden Mann has been pretty good the last few weeks. You're right, he, he, he has. And they did a good job actually navigating that punting situation. They had him on practice squad for a bit to, to buy that time. And, yeah, no, I, I would agree there. He, he has been good. And he's been uh, he's been an, an upgrade, and he's actually he's a, he's, a, he's a young punter who who they can potentially build with here. Yeah, we'll see. We'll but see. it's been fine, which is better than it was before. What do you have for best transaction? Well, if like the best trade that they've made um, that affects this season, yeah, outside of the draft, right, would be the DeAndre Swift deal. I think that has paid dividends for the Eagles. That's that that's been a good move. Um, for what they gave up and the production that he's given, he's been the top running back. So that's the one that jumps out. Um, then I would say for in-season transaction uh, or since training camp, keeping Eli Ricks on the 53-man roster. Interesting. Uh, because Eli Ricks played well this summer, but it wasn't like he needs to be on the 53. And I think the fact that they kept him on the 53 – He's ahead of Keely Ringo now. He's ahead of Josh Job now. He's obviously, you know, he's he's their number three cornerback. Uh, he's playing the slot. He's playing the outside. And I think Eli Ricks has definite upside for the Eagles. I think this is a guy who's going to be a key part of their secondary in the next few years. I like the size. I like the skill set. I like the attitude. I really like what I've seen. I like the fluidity with, with which he moves. And they didn't put him on practice squad, giving a, another team a chance to sign him. And they've given him a chance to play. So I would say that's the best in-season transaction. I, I mean, I think over the course of training camp, that became a pretty clear that thing. I don't, I don't think that it was a difficult decision. Do you? Well, you, you'd never know if you're going to keep an undrafted rookie. Right. I mean, they make a habit of it. I think. I okay. think it was pretty clear that they, that he was going to make the team. I sure. mean, he wasn't even the last corner on the team. Mario Goodrich was. Right. That's true. What's What's conspicuous in its absence of this discussion, obviously, is is Kevin Byard, and mm -hmm. I think it's it's fair for us to say it's been two games. Yes. He's been relatively disappointing so far. He has not solved anything, and he has looked a little bit slow in uh, in man to man coverage. I think there's a bit of a concern that this might be a, a Robert Quinn situation where where the whole league knew this guy was available. This you, you paid a price that seemed like a pretty marginal price, but there's a, there was a chance that he was cooked, and that is a possibility. It's different than the Robert Quinn thing because he needs to be on the field, whereas yeah. Robert Quinn you could just sort of hide, and it was a, a shot worth taking, and, and it didn't work out. Like, I'm not saying that it's, it's over for, for Kevin Byard. He got thrown into the mix. It was two games. Now he gets a chance to acclimate and take uh, you know, some time off. That is a position where that requires communication and knowing what your responsibilities are. So it would be reasonable to expect that he's going to start slow. But I also think so far he has not looked great. I think it's probably more comparable to a Golden Tate situation than a Robert Quinn situation. Robert Quinn was shot, I feel like. I don't think Kevin Byard is shot here. I, I, I think it's... Well, it's different also because the cost is marginal. Sure, but I, I, I think... It's also different because... Golden Tate was a luxury. 
on that team. This is a yeah. player they needed to find a safety, yeah. and so this this trade, even if it doesn't work out, made sense at the time because they needed to get a guy in. I just spent Golden Tate. Probably there were there's there's a little more name appeal than like production appeal there, uh, but he he was still a contributing player. I think Kevin Byard's going to be good, and I think Kevin Byard. I'm 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 or I think he's going to be an upgrade over what they had. I think we forget like Terrell Edmonds wasn't particularly good, and I think Kevin Byard is an right. upgrade over Terrell Edmonds. Yeah, I think that's all right, and that's why I don't think it was a it was a bad move, even if he doesn't, even if this is the level that he is, it was still probably a fine move because you needed to get somebody. Yeah. Um, you know, you can make the case that it should be Sidney Brown there instead, but sure. it was a shot worth taking. Yes. Okay. Um, all right. How about the best defensive play of the season, Zach? The best defensive play I had. So I, I was going through a few uh, this. I was going through a, a few this morning when I was prepping for the show, and the one that jumps out to me is the safety versus the Bucks. Um, when interesting Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis converging. Huge play in the game, shifted, well, the, the momentum was in their favor, kind of cemented the momentum, cemented that, that game, if you will. I thought Carter was just overpowering on that Bucks interior line, Jordan Davis too, on that play. There have been other, like, big-time sacks, but that's a play that directly led points, gave them, the, it gave them points, it gave them the ball, and it was a pivot point in the game, and it kind of showed, I thought that Tampa Bay game was, like, the Jalen Carter game, and... Uh, he was awesome that that night, and that was the play that jumps out to me. That's a good one. Um, if you look at just the uh, the EPA, like mm -hmm. which single defensive play changed the Eagles' like winning percentage the most, it's the Darius Slay interception for a touchdown in Week One oh, yes. against the Bucks. But you know that was a deflected pass. We already know that Darius Slay is good in the open field. You know, hat hat tip to him, but it's not like one that I'm always going to remember necessarily. You will remember every play. I do I find by remember the, that play. I, I do find, by the way, that one of the big differences from watching on TV instead of um, being there and seeing with my own eyes, I do feel like it's a little bit more ephemeral. Where, whereas I don't, I don't have quite as yeah. vivid a memory of what's happening on TV. I hear you there because we've played this game. We don't have to go down this, this, this 20, rabbit 20, hole yeah. here. But I can tell you something from every single game the Eagles have played since 2012, except for the 2020 season. Right. Because the 2020 season, I consumed a lot of it on TV uh, because of COVID. And, yeah, I, I feel the same way. Like, the way my mind works is I remember, yes. like, seeing, okay, that side of the field or that happened there um, on TV. I'm just, yeah, I, I didn't have that. It didn't have that same effect. So I... I feel you. I, I I hear there. The flip side is the post game show is so good, man, and you're you're awesome in that seat. So well, you don't have to blow smoke up my. I'm not blowing behind, smoke, but that's it's, fine. I'll take that. True. Thank you're, you. Yeah, yeah. Bo the host is awesome. Um, and so uh, for me, defensive play. I, I I'm trying to. I was trying to think of like a a play where somebody really did something individually impressive on the back end, uh, because. I, that's something we haven't seen quite as much. There was the, the, there's two Reed Blankenship interceptions, but neither of them was like, wow. And so I'm going to go with the one that, that was the most impactful, the most important game of the first half of the season, your boy Josh Sweat, which you wrote about on all PHLY and everybody can read about that sack at the end of that game. To me, that was the most important defensive play of the season if it wasn't the most like interesting of the plays. Yeah, beats so, the Cowboys. Okay. I yeah. agree. Yeah, okay. Uh, next up, how about... Let's 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 go a, a little bit on the negative side here. Let's okay. say the biggest disappointment of the first half of the season for you. So the biggest disappointment, I would say that Nicobe Dean hasn't locked down that linebacker spot. And I say that because their offseason plans at linebacker, it was built around Nicobe Dean. And third round pick last year, waited his time. We we get it. TJ Edwards was playing at a high level. Kaiser White had experience. And it's like, all right, we'll just wait until year two. And then here he comes in year two. He has the injury in week one. He's injured again. But even when he was healthy there, still splitting time with Nicholas Morrow. And the the Eagles aren't going to invest major resources in linebacker. We we know that. It's not like they're going to go out and sign a Tremaine Edmonds during the offseason. It's not as if they're going to spend a first-round pick on a big-time linebacker. So, what, so when you get a guy who's the top linebacker in college football – You've, he falls to the third round ostensibly because of injury stuff, right? And then he has a chance to develop. He's his culture setter. Uh, the starting job is his. There's really not any significant competition. I think for Nicobe Dean not to have like locked that down as the guy uh, is, a, is a disappointment from like a big picture Eagles perspective. 
I agree with you. Um, I think there are some other candidates. I think you could make a case for James Bradbury, whose play okay. has slipped a little bit. Um, I think you could make a case for like Nolan Smith as a rookie after the initial training camp hype that there was. Um, and he has been a total non-factor so far. You know, you could um, you could make a case for just like the running game the second half of the season. But I do think that on an individual basis, if you were just talking about the expectations heading into week one, you said it well. Like when the Eagles use that high of a pick on a linebacker, the way that they have viewed him or at least talked about him is that this is a guy who's going to settle that position for us for for some for the next 10 years. <laughs> yep. um, and it, it just has not been the case. And also. Part of the reason that he fell, part of the like knock against him as a prospect, was can this guy stay healthy? He is a little yeah. bit small. He's a little bit slight for the position. Small is relative term. And yeah. this is now twice in his time as a de facto starter mm -hmm. that in nine games he's suffered an injury. And so I think there, uh, if your if your expectations were he was going to be like their best player in the middle of the defense, that has not been the case. You're right, and I'm curious to see how this plays out, but also because, it, look, we're a far way away from figuring out their offseason plans, but uh, if N'Kobe Dean doesn't hold down this job, you can't go into next season saying, like, this is N'Kobe Dean's job. You know, there's, there's, there's going to have to be some more competition there and some more transactions this offseason. Well, the flip side to that is, and we could talk about, why don't we just, we'll spin right to most pleasant surprise, because I think you could also say that Howie Roseman's like proclivities have also been rewarded here because I think you could make a case the most pleasant surprise on the team has been Zach Cunningham. And that's playing mm -hmm. the linebacker lottery game, the veteran yep. linebacker lottery game that they like to do. Sometimes you get Jatavis Brown, you know, most of the time you get Zach Brown, but every now and then you get Zach Cunningham, who's been very good, I think. Especially these past three weeks, I'd say he's, he's really come on the Dolphins since the Dolphins game. I agree. And I'm, I'm going to give you a shout-out here, too, uh, because the day that those two signings were made, you and I uh, did a show, and we talked about this, and I said, Miles Jack. I was going with Miles Jack, and you went with Zach Cunningham. You were right. I was wrong. Well, uh, but that was not something that I had, like, a ton of confidence in. I just, like... Yeah, but, but, but you, were, you were higher on Zach Cunningham than Miles Jack. Well, my, my point then was these two distressed assets, what's more likely, the guy who can't stay healthy can stay healthy for a season and play at a high level, or the guy whose play has dropped is going to all of a sudden get better. And, I mean, I think that, that was right, but that doesn't mean that that's always right. It was great logic, and you were correct. Do you have anybody else in the mix for uh, most pleasant surprise? For most pleasant surprise? Yes. I mean, Reed Blankenship... We saw this during training camp, but uh, he's been – I know he had, he had an inconsistent game down in Washington, but he's been a starting safety, like a starting caliber safety. I saw that during training camp. I did not expect that going into training camp. And so uh, that's that's a, a credit to Blankenship. That would be the one that really jumps out to me. And then Swift, I, I, I think you know, Swift's play has kind of dropped off a bit, I would say, but that there might be some more global factors to that. But I think he showed juice, shown juice, and I think that he is uh, clearly, the Eagles have said this, clearly the best running back on the team. And we didn't know no that doubt, going yeah. into the season. Well, yeah, I mean, the Eagles didn't know that yes, in week exactly. one. They were exactly. giving Kenny Gainwell all the carries. Exactly. So uh, I think that's fair. All right, let's get to our next ad read, Zach. It's time oh. to talk about your boys Let me take this at one? Wheelhouse Cards. Sure. Yeah, I would love to take this one because Wheelhouse Cards – has become a part of my life in that I take my son there. I've gone there for some of their shy vintage gear uh, because Wheelhouse is the go-to sports card gift and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. Their motto is cards and community because love of sports unites us all. They carry all of your favorite brands, like all of your favorite card brands, like Topps, Chrome Baseball, and Mosaic Football. I would also add in here, they carry Pokemon cards. That's what my son especially loves. They also have t-shirts, hats, hoodies, from brands like Mitchell and Ness, big time Mitchell and Ness fan, 47 brand, I have 47 brand hats, junk food, starter, and shy vintage sports. That's my favorite one on this list. 
Shy Vintage Sports Gear is awesome if you are a Philly sports fan or a fan of old-school Philly memorabilia. Looking to grade your sports card collection, Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host tons of different family uh, family-friendly events and birthday parties every month. You can stop by their stores in in Wayne or Westchester. I always like seeing viewers of the show, listeners of the show, and readers. So if you go to the Wayne location, there's a chance you'll bump into me. Please say hello. You can, uh, you know, we'll talk Eagles. We'll talk Wheelhouse Cards. They're open seven days per week at 11 a.m. Use code PHLY and get $10 off any purchase of $25 or more in store. Also, be sure to give them a follow on Instagram at Wheelhouse Cards. I follow them on Instagram. So make sure you do that at Wheelhouse Cards. All right, Zach, how about the best game performance for an individual? Best game performance for an individual. I put Jalen Hurts versus Washington here. And I put Jalen Hurts versus Washington because, uh, look, uh, I know I'm leaning heavily toward the starting quarterback, but that was the best passing performance of Jalen Hurts' career. Uh, Not a great defense. I get it. (laughs) They ended up trading their uh, their two edge rushers a few days later. But... Hertz's passes were awesome that day, clearly playing through an injury. And I just thought statistics, I thought statistically, I thought the level of performance, um, just the best game passing wise of Jalen Hurts' career. So he gets that as the starting quarterback. That's a good one. Uh, there are some AJ Brown ones you could make yep, a case for. for. Sure. There are some some defensive line performances. Jalen Carter, yeah. I'm actually going here with your boy. I'm going with DeAndre Swift in week two. Against mm. the Minnesota Vikings, 28 carries for 175 yards by uh, EPA. Yep. The second best rushing performance of the season but for any running back to that Devin A. Chain game against the, the Broncos, which, you know, that was sort of a garbanzo beans game. Um, and, I, and that was when it was week two coming off of Kenny Gainwell having gotten yep. all, like all of the work against the Patriots. They hand things over to Swift. Now there's something to be said. Like this was maybe more of an offensive line game than it was a Swift game. The next week against Tampa was, I think, more impressive running from Swift. But that game was when, you know, Brian Johnson spamming the same running play time and time again. They've got this huge advantage up front. But that was when we learned that, you know, what, what was going on week one because DeAndre Swift is so much more talented, as you said, uh, than, than Kenny Gainwell. And uh, I just think, like, there are too many A.J. Brown ones to parse and yeah. – Jalen's been so good, and I'm giving that one to Swift. And that game also is a special place in my heart because it was in our hearts because it was the first game we covered for PHLY. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first post-game story. Special I place in your heart because the first game you didn't have to worry about me bothering you sitting next to you in the press box. No, I, I missed you there, but it was it was awesome chiming in, and uh, it was also chiming into the show and seeing Jamie there, a LaSalle guy, playing that uh, St. Joe's prep joke that I, I, I had in uh, – in holster. my holster, ready for that one. And then it was kind of a cruel bit of irony because I, I thought that uh, now that I'm at PHLY and we're not doing like that really late postgame show, I'm like, all right, maybe even after a night game, I'll get to sleep at a reasonable hour. And then 76, there was an accident. And I was oh, sitting, that's right. You had to turn around, I was, right? No, I was, yeah, I was sitting uh, in park on 76 for over an hour. Uh, so, yeah, it was like... It was the world saying, yeah, you're, you're still not getting sleep. <laughs> so that's that's fine. That's I hope the, that's changed. That's what time. the bye week's for. So I, Now that the book is gone, I mean. I'm going to sleep past 6 o'clock tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that. Even in the time zone you're going to be in? Yeah, even in the time zone. I'll sleep past 6. Good for you. Yeah. I appreciate that. I'll set an alarm for like 7.30. But yeah. uh, I like uh, the suggestion here from Big Mike McD uh, mm-hmm. for best offensive performance. Rashad Penny, two carries, eight yards versus Dallas. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. That is a good one. All right, how about, Zach, the best game performance for a, a unit? Uh, best game performance for a unit? I Well, I, did, I didn't know if you meant position unit or, like, overall side of the ball. Uh, you know what? I thought that yeah. maybe that was confusing. Yeah, I put Eagles defense versus Miami. That's what I have as well. Um, the way, Given that the Dolphins offense and, – and, by the way, Dolphins offense didn't play that great against Kansas City the next week, so maybe – I was overrating the Dolphins' offense, but just statistically, that was like the worst performance of the Mike McDaniel era there. Yes. And the Eagles, far and away their worst performance, yeah. success rate wise of the mm-hmm. season, uh, second worst in EPA per dropback, and by far the worst EPA per rush. Yeah, so for sure, that's 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 what I would go with. I think so too. And it was also, you know, this was like the Sean Desai coming out party. 
Uh, they did some different things on defense than they had been doing. I think that was like the most encouraging single game performance of the season for, for an eight and one team. I agree. Uh, how about worst offensive play? Worst offensive play. Jalen Hurts interception against the Jets. Did you just, do you have a different one here? In- I'm on the fence here. Okay. I think you could make a good case for the fumble at the end of the game against the Cowboys. Because that game, that, that, but that, they recovered. Yeah, but that's just the luck of the bounce of the yeah, ball. Yeah, but that's the, that's, that's, no, the I'm, t- I am grading, I am grading the, uh, the process, not okay. the results here. Okay. And that play in that situation was even worse than the Hertz one because Hertz has to throw the ball. You know, he, he knows that he can't throw an interception. Taking a, taking a sack in that, in that situation is better. But, like the only thing that you really cannot do there is fumble the ball, and AJ Brown just comes barreling into the guy who's got the ball. Like yeah. that was worse, and it was a more important game. Yeah. If I ask a lousy question, but it gets a great quote, okay? I know process first results, but the result is it's a it's a it's a great quote. If I ask like the best question, but I get a bad answer. Well, then it wasn't the best question though. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, it, like a question that needs to be asked, but they don't. They don't answer it. It's like, all right, that, 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 that didn't do me any good. So the fumble was bad. I get it. But they recovered it. The interception, the Eagles were, would have been undefeated, right? Like, just don't turn the ball over in that situation. He throws it right to Tony Adams. Big return. Jets win that game. We could be talking about a 9-0 team right now. Instead, we're talking about an 8-1 team that lost to the Jets. Here's did my, you, did here's, you see the Jets on Monday? Here's my, here's my butterfly effect. I think if they win that Jets game, they're not 9-0. They're not they would have lost one of the next couple of games. Well, just because of the natural? Yeah. And... I don't think they would be 9-0. Okay. I mean, I'm literally saying they would have won that job. No, everything's dynamic, right? We don't know how this would have happened, that would have happened. We don't know yeah, if the that whole, was the whole next week. Nick yeah. Sirianni gets to play up the fact that there are yeah. the underdogs against the Dolphins. That wouldn't have happened if they were eight and zero. That's true. Good point. Uh, also, if that pass is incomplete and the Eagles punt it, maybe Garrett Wilson catches a seventy-five yard pass. Right? We still don't yeah, know I mean, that unlikely happens. that Zach Wilson is doing anything, but it's possible yeah. that a punt return touchdown could have happened. Yeah, sure. There's a handful of things that 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 could have occurred, but. I think that pick six. What's the chat I think saying? you can also make a case for the Jalen Hurts fumble against the Patriots when it was the same thing. The only thing you can't do there is fumble the ball away. That's true. And he did. Eugene Krabs says that. Eugene Krabs, big bow guy, because he agrees with Bo, and he mentioned the Patriots one before you. Oh, and he also uh, says the, the Pats game, yeah. Yeah, so if that's what I just said. Oh, sorry. No problem. I've, I've done that once or twice before. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were saying he agreed about yeah. that. So fumble. what does the chat think? Do you think it was the pick six, or not the pick six, the interception against the Jets, or the fumble that the Eagles recovered against the Cowboys? And it was a more important game, the Cowboys game. I think that play is worse. Every game I think is that important. is a worse play. Every game is important. But yeah, the division games count too. Okay. Yeah. How about the worst div- defensive play of the season? The worst defensive play, two seconds left against Washington. Touchdown to Jahan mm. Dotson. Ties the game. Just just make one stop, and you're winning that game. You're, you're, you're not going to overtime. Uh, the Eagles didn't get pressure on that play. Sam Howell. Uh, no, I don't have the, the vivid photographic memory of that drive because yeah. that play, I remember, and it was pretty good coverage. Like, that was a good throw and sure. a good catch. But there was a play elsewhere in the drive that was like, what, what were they doing there, right? It was a third and 17 that uh, there was a 15-yard completion uh, to Pringle, to Byron Pringle, if my okay. memory is correct. Uh, James Bradbury was in coverage there. There was that. And then so then there was a fourth and two. The Eagles had a penalty on the play, but also Washington converted. Uh, okay. So that was kind of the big pivot point. But the third and 17, giving up 15 yards on third and 17, because the Eagles had a sack earlier in that drive to push them back. So third and 17, Washington's in a situation where like they need to go the, the, the length of the field. Uh, you can't give up 15 yards there. So that's the one on that drive. But in terms of like, you know, look, two seconds left. The, uh, Washington's at, I think, the 10-yard line. Uh, Sam Howell's the quarterback. You have this great pass rush. Make a play. Make a play. Uh, get a stop. One stop and you win the game. And they didn't get that stop and it forced them to go in overtime. And they could have lost the game. They could have lost the game. Not for Ron Rivera. If we were doing worst coaching decision by an opposing coach, 
That would be my answer. Oh, for the two. But You're right. What do you have for uh, best coaching decision? For best coaching decision, well, wait, but and, and what was your worst play? Yeah, I don't have a good one. Okay, I, nothing really came to mind. Okay, uh, and I was trying to think of like, a, and I, I'm just thinking of like penalties, you know, ticky tack or you know, bad uh, discipline penalties. But and I didn't have a good one. Okay, yeah, I mean, there were there were some like plays in that Rams game that weren't great defensive plays, but yeah. Um, yeah, and it's and it's also tough to like get on. I wouldn't give up the worst defensive play to like, you know, Mario Goodrich being in coverage because sure. it's not his fault. That's a good point. Know? That's a good point. Uh, the best coaching decision I had the end of the half versus Minnesota. So the Eagles got the ball at 34 seconds on the on the 20 yard line. Now they, they after ran. not having gone for it the week before in New, yes. in New England, no different, different weather conditions. They but. ran the ball, but uh, but they but Sirianni used his timeouts and got in position for. A 61-yard field goal, and you got to think like that Minnesota game. That was a close game at that point, right? Uh, and I, I, I think getting points going in the half and just putting yourself in a position because look, you get the ball at the 24-yard line, 34 seconds to go. I believe the Eagles were getting the ball out of the half too. A lot of coaches would just in Minnesota, sit the, the Minnesota yeah. game. That was remember Minnesota got the ball because Min- Sweat has the sack on the first possession. The sack force fumble. Oh, you're right. Okay. And that's like, that was the quick turnaround. So it's, it's actually okay. to your point though. Yeah. So, but I think a lot of coaches sit on that there because you, you need a chunky yards to get, to get in the field goal range. And, uh, I thought using his timeouts and they called running plays, but they were getting running plays in chunks. Um, that was probably the best coaching decision. I'm going to go with just the, like the full embrace of the brotherly shove, tush push, okay. whatever you want to say, like, you know, being willing to go for it on fourth and one from the 34 at the start of the Cowboys game, the one when he had to call timeout mm-hmm. to do it. Like, even though it seems like he's fighting his own instincts a little bit, I appreciate the fact that he's, he's willing to lean into that because it is the right thing to do. I don't think he's fighting his own instincts with the brotherly shove. I think he loves that play. And because yeah. he loves that play because it's something they're doing better than everyone else. And you posted, is it a meme now? Um, of Sirianni in the post-game press conference looking at the camera. Right? Oh, yes, the Tim Robinson, yeah. Yeah. I, I think you should leave, yeah. I mean, it's okay. So I didn't understand actually what you were saying in that. I, I just knew. I thought you were doing something with Sirianni. It's not for the Leno types. Not for the Leno types, okay. <laughs> Is that what I am now, a Leno type? I think so. I'm actually, I, I mean, if, if you really want to know, I'm, I was neither Leno nor Letterman. Uh, I liked Conan O'Brien a lot. Okay. Uh, was... Uh, big John Stewart guy and loved Colbert. Uh, so those were the, the ones more so than a Leno or a, a but that's, I mean, that's a little bit more like you're in, you're in college or not that's like when, when you're growing up. That's when Leno was on when we were in, well, I mean, it's on when you, you were in, ki- you were a kid too. I was, I was watching like, I was watching sports center then. I wasn't watching the, the, when I was in college, I watched a lot of Conan. Okay. Yeah. Loved Conan. Okay. You're you're a little bit later to the to the comedy game. No, I was just watching. I was watching sport. Like my version of comedy was Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann. Okay, right. Uh, how about worst coaching decision? I I see Big Mike McTee says ZB seems like a Conan guy. Yeah, I listen to Conan's podcast now. Uh, I don't have anything against Julia. Conan. Says haha. Now for the for the Leno types, Julia. Do you take me as a Leno type? <laughs> Come on, Julia. Um, <laughs> so I'm sorry. What was the problem? worst coaching decision? Worst coaching decision. Uh, scoring versus Washington. Yes. Yeah, definitely scoring well, versus I agree Washington. With that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, before we get to the uh, the big awards here, the midseason superlatives, let's talk about Foco because Foco is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. It's football and tailgating season. Overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game. Foco has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. Foco always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY for 10% off. Uh, Zach, let's go uh, most baffling playing time situation. Most, was that on the list? I think I yeah I sent it after the initial one. Uh, did, okay, yeah, don't okay, you see I'm it? Sorry. Yeah, it's yeah. a separate message. It's, it's right separate after message. it. Yeah. yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, most baffling playing time decision: Kenny Gainwell in Week One. 
I oh, that's say. a good answer. Because yeah. in, I'm just thinking of that right away. Like Swift barely played at all. And it was just this this like insistence on just going to Gainwell. Very weird. Over, over and over and over again. Like I thought there was going to be a committee approach. Uh, so definitely, yeah, that, that, that would be the most baffling playing time decision. I'm going to go with uh, Christian Ellis's absence in the linebacker rotation, are, yes. no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, I think we all know that the Eagles would be 9-0 if Christian Ellis were getting as much playing time as he deserves. I think there's a possibility that the rest of the league might just sort of give up and say, here's your Lombardi, we're done, there's nothing we can do about this, this team is too good. Unfortunately, the Eagles have chosen to be a little bit more sporting and let everybody else have a chance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you love yourself some Christian Ellis, but I think... Uh, I mean, Christian Ellis doesn't deserve to play over Zach Cunningham. Maybe Nicholas Murrow. Nicholas Murrow had that three-sack game against Washington, right? Pounding the stats, telling Howie Roseman, uh, look at this. Show me, yeah. yeah. Pay me my money. All right, Zach, best supporting player. Best supporting. You had this one. I don't know what, what yeah. the level of supporting in your yeah. mind oh, was. Yeah, best supporting role. Uh, Jake Elliott, I'm going with. Oh, okay. Jake Elliott has been awesome this year. 18 of 20, 5 of 6 from 50-plus yards. He's... If the, he's the second best kicker in, 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 in the NFL, perhaps. I mean, Justin Tucker is the GOAT, uh, to use that term. But Jake Elliott is playing so well, just really consistent, and has the right temperament. Um, I, I don't want to say he's underappreciated. I think he's properly appreciated. But there was a period of time there, 2020 in particular, when Jake Elliott was not playing well. Uh, he's rebounded since then. Last year... They barely had to use Jake Elliott on field goals. They really didn't kick field goals that often. This year, they're kicking far too many field goals. But for Jake Elliott to go 18 of 20, 5 of 6 from 50-plus yards, I think that's a credit to him and it's a credit to the Eagles special teams. Uh, I go Reed Blankenship here. I don't know if he qualifies as supporting player, but I think that he has been the best player in the back seven for them this season, which is saying a lot. Now Darius Slay has been good as well. But I think that uh, without Reed Blankenship, if, they, you know, if it was – trotting out Terrell Edmonds and Sidney Brown back there or, you know, Kevin Byard and whoever else is even available, uh, they'd, be in, they'd be in much more trouble. Now, he's missed two games for injury, uh, so it's, it's not like he's been there every game, but, but I think he's been pretty impressive. I see Conan Cordless says Covey, Britton Covey. Covey has— Covey's uh, been good. We probably yeah, don't give him good. enough credit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we also have not really talked about the offensive line at all on this, okay. uh, in this framing. Like, you know, Lane Johnson's been great. We'll, we'll get to best offensive player. But, you know, you can make a case for, you know, the, the, the Mylotta's. Now, Mylotta's been up and down as well. Uh, Dickerson, too. Kelsey's been great. But I, I feel like we, we have not spent enough time talking about the O-line. Fair enough. Okay. All right. Uh, I think we've got four more, Zach. Mm-hmm. Let's do best defensive player. Josh Sweat. Josh Sweat is getting this one here. Lean into it. Leaning into it. I've been calling it ever since I started doing the show with you. Uh, you you once made me a punchline, and now here I am. Victory at last. Josh Sweat. Uh, I was never against Josh Sweat. Big time you were. Go back to the training camp podcast. I was making fun of him because it was, I'd never seen somebody be so slow off the ball. It was like every time the ball was snapped, he'd be a second later getting out of it. Now he's like the quickest guy off the ball. There was that play against the Cowboys where it was like he, he jumped the snap. Yeah, I mean, you were so like you you were so rigid and this is this is what I think. This is who I've he is. I've never been rigid. And here I am saying players evolve, players grow. The Neil Hunter wasn't this when he came into the league and look at the Neil Hunter now. And you mocked me. Mocked me about many things, but in particular this Josh Sweat. <laughs> mocked me. Josh Sweat. Six and a half sacks. Tied with Cowboys linebacker Micah Parsons for the most pressures in the league. Not a real stat. What's that? Not a real stat. This is not a PFF stat. This is according to NFL next-gen stats. Yeah, it's not real. Pressures don't count. They don't exist. Okay, well, They're a figment of everybody's imagination. NFL next-gen. NFL Next Gen. This is this is this is. Have you ever heard of ARFID? Do you know what ARFID is? Radio frequency identification. Yeah. Okay. That's where they're getting these next gen stats. It's not real. Uh. Well. My, well. How would you like it? Yeah. Josh Sweat is tied with Micah Parsons, perhaps the best defensive player in the NFL. Josh Sweat. What well, now? I think Miles Garrett's probably the best defensive player in the NFL. But Josh Sweat is in that category with your Micah Parsons, with your. Um, with Miles Garrett, with Bosa, with 
Hassan Reddick. Josh Sweat is awesome and deserves uh, more praise that he's been getting. And in this seat, as long as I'm on the PHLY Eagles show, I will give Josh Sweat the credit that he deserves because he has been awesome. So you're going to be rigid. No matter how he plays, you're going to get No, if he's crap. not playing well, I will say it. But my guess is Josh Sweat will keep doing this. Um, it gives me no pleasure to agree with you that the answer is Josh Sweat here. Um, I think you could, I think if it had been the first like five games of the season, I might have made the case for Jalen Carter. We didn't. We don't have best rookie on here because that's an obvious one. It's obviously Jalen Carter. Um, his it, it, he has dropped off just a little bit, just a tick the last few games, and he missed a game. Um, I'm 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 waiting this towards the entirety of the nine game sample like Hassan Reddick has been awesome the last quarter but you know he wasn't great the first few games of the season Sweat has played every game he is extremely well-rounded it's not just the pass rush Mm -hmm. unlike you you know I'm not just attracted to the sexy numbers of of sacks and pressures which don't exist I'm also paying attention to what he does in the run game he does a very good job there Um, I think that you know, Fletcher Cox has been very good. Darius Slay is very important. Reed Blankenship is very important. But I do think that over the course of the first nine games, Josh Sweat has been their their best defensive player. I agree. Wow, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna put this clip up, and not the whole thing about Josh Sweat, just the part where you said I agree. Okay, because I don't know what that's. I, I haven't really heard that before, so I, I appreciate that. Okay, how about best offensive player, Zach? Best it's offensive a two-man player. race. Yeah, best offensive player. I have AJ Brown. Um, AJ Brown is on pace for 127 catches, 1,898 yards. I don't think it's preposterous for us to talk about 2,000 yards with the way that he's playing. I, I, I look. I know it would require a high level of production going forward, but the Eagles are going to be in really close games. I think, and they're going to have to throw the ball and. The best offense is, is the throw with A.J. Brown. Yeah, I have A.J. Brown here, too. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to argue. I do think, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any chance he's getting yep. to 2,000 yards, but that's a conversation no, I, for a different day. I don't day. think it's, like, preposterous. I don't think so either. But I don't um, think it's, like, I don't think me saying that is, like, what the heck are you talking about? I mean, I kind of do, but that's okay. Of course you do. <laughs> of course you do. Coach is cracking up here. Uh, yes. I, I'm trying to, like, look into the ways that, like where is this extra production from AJ Brown coming from? Right, um, his target rate—it's only up marginally. That now that's how often is he thrown to when he's running a route? Mm-hmm. It was twenty-five percent last year. It's twenty-eight percent this year. Mm-hmm. In terms of the percentage of the team's overall targets that he's getting, twenty-nine percent last year, thirty-two percent this year. He's spending a little bit more time outside, thirty percent of the time in the slot uh, last year, twenty-two percent this year. He's being targeted a little bit deeper, but just barely. One yard extra downfield, 13 yards to 12 yards from last year. He's fewer yards per reception than he was last season, fewer yak per reception. So I'm thinking, okay, it must be just we talked about, you know, how much last year they were salting away games in the second half, right? So they must be just passing the ball more this year than they were last year. Even that is not a huge difference. It was 52% last year, 54% this year. It's just that, like, these balls, these 50-50 balls, uh, they're just – incrementally running the ball, running the offense through him a little bit more. And it's, it's hard to argue. It's, you know, this is the thing that you've been saying, like AJ Brown should get more targets. AJ Brown should be getting all of those targets. He's making it worth it. There's, there's an old expression. I'm going to butcher it here uh, from John, from John McKay, the former coach of USC when he was at, actually, as I start saying this, I probably shouldn't give this, but it's like, why is, um, OJ Simpson getting the ball so much. <laughs> he said something along the lines of, well, like, there's no rule against it. It's not heavy, right? And he should keep getting the ball more. Um, so probably shouldn't have gone there. Uh, that's one of those where, as I was like <laughs> making the turn, <laughs> I'm like, okay, should just put the car Yeah, Zach, break? you wonder if the accumulation <laughs> of all those hits to the head had any effect on the rest of his life. <laughs> but point being that when someone's that productive, um, Keep feeding them the ball and uh, keep feeding AJ Brown the ball. Uh, let's let's move on to the next one. Okay, so that'll be the that'll be the pull quote from this episode. <laughs> uh, Zach Berman, why AJ Brown is like OJ Simpson. 
what's your most memorable moment of the first half of the season, Zach? I don't mean to be sentimental here. Um, my most memorable moment was when you said, hello, everybody, on September 11th. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> So we go, wait, wait a, good job pivoting us away from O.J. Simpson into September 11, 2023. Much, much more okay. fun territory. Our first show. Oh, no, it's actually September 12th. I apologize. <laughs> September 12th, our first show. I'm on like three hours of sleep. Yeah, you, I mean, I you're, you're, you're multitasking. Yeah. You, you, you got yeah. a flight to catch with Emily. No, There's no, something no, going that's on fine. Here, she's I'm actually sure. just trying to come up here. I'm trying to open the door. I'm sorry. Uh, well, uh, okay, so... You were talking about, um, yeah. So I was saying the first, 1940s Germany. No, I was saying the first show that we did. Okay, uh, was the most memorable moment. Like if I think about the season, I think about the excitement sitting in there. We had the live audience; everyone's applauding. Uh, that was awesome. The most memorable moment of the Eagles season, though, I think was that stand against Dallas. Uh, big game. Dallas has a, a chance to to take the lead and. Uh, and the Eagles uh, made key stops. Josh Sweat had that sack. So that's what jumps out to me. Yeah, I was going to – I think you could make a case for the A.J. Brown one-hander against the Commanders, the one that we said was the best play. I think you could make a case for the Hurts interception against the Jets. Um, but in the end, for me, I think I think I close my eyes. I think of the first half of the season, I'm probably thinking about Matt Leo's thong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, last one, Zach. Yep. MVP. Uh, Jalen Hurts. Okay. Uh, Jalen Hurts because yeah. I always lean toward the quarterback, but A.J. Brown could, could in theory, get this award, right? Because um, A.J.'s been that valuable. We always talk about Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey, but Jalen, especially since this injury, just such a high level, like such a high baseline. And I talked about that throughout the season. I'm not as interested in the high watermark. I'm more interested in the baseline. The Jets Unless game, there's adversity, in which case that's more important. No, that's part of the whole equation is okay. how, do, how do you deal with adversity? Um, you know, it's, it's uh, uh, there's an old Chip Kelly quote. <laughs> I'm, I'm playing all the hits today, right? I'm, I'm not on the show tomorrow, so I'm Score trying to— Score effing points, I'm, what's your plan? No, uh, or he, he said, you know, uh, quarterbacks— Okay, so I say this. Don't laugh when I say this. Quarterbacks are like tea bags. <laughs> okay, he said. Yeah, uh, you find out about them when they're in the hot water, right? Okay, and and so that's kind of like you know when when adversity strikes, this is this is what happens. So, um, that's the. I think Jalen Hurts has been just really consistent. The right temperament. Uh, the Jets game was a blip, but otherwise. Week in, week out, playing through injury, not complaining, saying the right things, doing the right things. Uh, Jalen Hurts is everything you'd want in a franchise quarterback, and he's he's playing at a really high level. Yeah, I think it's hard to argue that the the quarterback is the most important, and uh, he's been very good. You know, we, there were some fits and starts earlier in the season. He need he does need to protect the ball better, but yeah, I mean he's 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 the MVP of the team, no doubt about it. <laughs> this is. <laughs> This is the this is one of the shows like a late post game show when I'm I'm feeling tired <laughs> I'm I start saying something and then I'm like you know what this think before you finish this uh, but it was a good show this is this one we're at our best sending you off in style sending us off in style do yeah. uh, you want to share with us what, what you're doing um, yeah so a little I'll, getaway with the misses well no so I I feel bad saying this back to Hong Kong no not Hong okay. Kong no. Uh, uh, my wife had a big birthday a month ago. I can't like take time off during the season, like during a typical weekend. So we went out to dinner, but uh, it's 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 like one of those like monumental birthdays. And so 21. I what's that? Twenty one <laughs> uh, plus nineteen, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> but I said, <laughs> coach is laughing. But I said, I said that uh, the bye week. She was in the stands at, at your old high school that day. <laughs> what? I said. And then you get to hear from the sexiest man in the world, uh, and Bradley Cooper. I I said during the bye week we will go away, hmm. and so we're celebrating her birthday a month later. Um, but yeah, I and I and been, you're the release the the sending off of your book. 
Yeah, well, so that's 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 the other thing. I, like during the summer when football writers and football reporters typically have like a, a little bit of time, uh, I uh, was writing a book and teaching a class. So I really was not um, as present like for the downtime. And so uh, as I think she's coming off the elevator now. So, yeah, so I'm taking... Ladies uh, and gentlemen, <laughs> Emily Berman. <laughs> so I'm taking uh, Thursday and Friday this week and uh eager to come back for monday's show and i appreciate you handling while i'm gone we're gonna have uh handsome rich hoffman joining me tomorrow for tomorrow's show at 11 o'clock so we look forward to that uh that'll do it for this episode of the phly eagles podcast so emily and zach can get off to where they need to go uh zach will be back next week i think he's gonna Start on Monday with a list of his favorite January 6th throughout history. <laughs> so we look Stop. forward to that. Don't take that back. Please take that back. And, take uh, that back. <laughs> we will be back tomorrow. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And as always, we love you. <laughs> we all silly like the mayor. 